What's up everyone and welcome to the weekly edition of ESG Now where we cover how the environment, our society and corporate governance affects and are affected by our economy. I'm your host Mike DiCibato and this week we discuss air pollution and why investors need to pay more attention to it. Thanks as always for joining us. Stay tuned. Air pollution is way more deadly than many people think. It is the fourth greatest risk factor for overall health that we have, and I mean the entire list. The only things that beat it are smoking, high blood pressure, and a poor diet. Air pollution prematurely kills over 6.5 million people a year, according to the World Health Organization. There's even research by American University that little particles of air pollutants get into your brain, inflame it, and then if the pollution is bad enough, you get extremely depressed and then can commit suicide. I'm not kidding here. Researchers Claudio Persico and David Mercotte hypothesized that poor air quality worsens people's moods, which in turn increases the likelihood of someone experiencing suicidal thoughts. And they found that an increase of one microgram per cubic meter in particulate matter of 2.5 in a given place was linked to an average rise in daily suicide rates of just under 0.5%. And if that increased level was sustained for a month, Hospital admissions connected with attempted suicides rose by 50%. That's wild stuff, but what it highlights is the immediacy of the problem with air pollution. It's something that affects us on the day-to-day, and so if you're a company that have employees in an area with higher rates of air pollution, you might have a number of labor management risks or other ESG risks on your hand. Or so say my guests today, Simon Albright and Yurkita Balasi, who just wrote a paper that argued air pollution is a topic that would behoove investors to take more interest in. The air pollution that surrounds us and seeps into us and our children's bodies are made up of five primary pollutants. That's carbon monoxide, nitrous oxides, particulate matter, there's 2.5 and 10, you might have heard of that, sulfur oxides, and volatile organic compounds. The sources for all five of these pollutants include electricity production, industry, and transportation, among others. I want to start you off today with Simon, who completed his PhD and went on to lead a team studying the effects of air quality in Switzerland until he joined MSCI and began doing the same research for us. And I like talking to PhDs because they make me sound a bit smarter. And so I asked him, if air pollution is such a serious problem, has the world done much to try and curb it? And if so, what have they done? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good, good question. I mean, you can you can also take uh, Europe um, uh, as an example. Um, for example, in the, in the 1980s, um, there was a widespread uh, forest dieback. And high amounts of sulfur dioxide, so SO2, and nitrogen dioxide, NO2, Emissions they caused so-called acid rain, which then created, which then killed a, a lot of trees, and then really people realized we have to do something against it. We have to stop air pollution, and with this a big environmental movement began. It's the same in the U.S. The Clean Air Act is said to be the most successful piece of environmental regulation to ever be introduced within the United States, with a 90 to 1 benefit to cost ratio, as estimated by the U.S. EPA. That's a good ratio. It's also the first environmental law ever established by the US EPA. And Simon told me that air pollution concerns was the main reason everyone started talking about climate change even in the first place. And back then, as a consequence, especially in developed countries, we have strong measures in place, as you mentioned already for for the US, strong measures to reduce uh, air pollutant emissions, such as mandatory filters for vehicles or 
post-gas treatment for industrial facilities. And these measures, they really have helped to, to heavily decrease the level of, uh, of air pollution. But what Simon's been talking about there is the industrialized markets. And the industrialized markets have been benefiting by outsourcing much of their manufacturing to non-industrialized or emerging markets. And when you look at emerging markets, the picture gets a bit different. And interestingly, Asia's two largest economies that are emerging markets provide contrasting stories of air pollution and development. For example, let's look at, at India. They are still on an increasing trend. So the vehicle fleet is it's heavily outdated. A lot of open burning of agricultural land, open wood burning in households and a lot of coal combustion as well. And then we have a bit in contrast, we have China. That was on the same level 10 years ago. But then around, I think it was 2014, they started um, its war on pollution. And then an impressive decrease began. So they managed within several years with their measures what Europe and the United States took decades to, uh, to achieve. China did that by implementing a broad range of regulations to cut down on their air pollutants. For example, they restricted the number of cars in big cities. They banned new coal plants in certain regions, though they are still building new coal plants in the country. They replaced coal-fired broilers for cleaner burning options, and they are converting 4,000 of their public buses to run on natural or cleaner burning gases, which cutting down on the emissions of buses is actually a way more effective way than you would think to cut down on air pollution. It's even better than cars. But this is all public works projects, which is great for society, but how does it affect companies and their investors? I asked Jurgita, Simon's co-author on this Clean Air Report, what she thought about that question. And she pointed me toward India, where they had centered their study, noting that for one, a number of companies have already been heavily fined by regulators in the country for their role in increasing air pollution. And for example, we found that Hindustan Petroleum and Bharat Petroleum received penalties for uh, polluting activities in 2020. And then um, we also have Coal India subsidiary that was ordered to to shut down some, some of parts of its operation because of the allegations of pollution in 2019. So we do have actually examples when polluting industries can face um, either penalties from the regulators or retaliation from, from the local communities. But what was more interesting for Yurgita and Simon when they did this study is they looked at how a company's labor pool is affected by air pollution. And as we stated at the beginning of the episode, air pollution is extremely toxic and there is a well-documented relationship between the well-being of a company's workforce and the economy's workforce and its level of air pollution. So if the economy has a high level of air pollution, the economy's workforce is not going to be doing that well. So what Yurgita and Simon did is they looked at all the physical assets of companies that we cover that operate in highly polluted areas in India. And then they looked at industries with above average labor intensity, meaning they need a lot of workers to generate one unit of revenue. And then they used that number to examine which sectors might be more sensitive to labor productivity losses due to high air pollution and what might happen in the future if air pollution gets too much to handle. And they found that the construction engineering sectors, the transportation infrastructure, pharmaceuticals, and retail sectors were just some of the industries that had above average exposure to potential revenue loss due to air pollution. And the issues for a company's labor pool does not just stop in a possible revenue loss of the people that work there might not be able to show up to work or just might be lethargic at work. 
Because not many people want to live somewhere where the air itself might pose a health concern for them and their families. So, for example, let's say if people were um, given a choice between getting a similar pay job in Delhi and an an alternative location that would be less polluted, um, the good candidates might decide for, for within the same conditions to move to a city that is less polluted. To put some numbers on it, air pollution has been found to reduce a company's revenue by up to 6% for every 10 unit increase of air concentration above the healthy threshold. That's all according to the OECD and the American Economic Review. And that loss is often out of a company's control. Just think of the pharmaceutical industry that I mentioned. They don't really put out much air pollution. This revenue drop just happens to these companies if they happen to have an office or work site in an area that has poor air quality. We often focus on the polluting industries and the impacts that they have on the environment. But I think what was surprising to, to our study was that um, there are equally a handful of industries that are non-polluting, but equally exposed to the air pollution. So where kind of the, the margins are low and the labor intensity is high, Businesses might be more sensitive to disruptions. So even small changes in, in worker productivity or um, on the availability of the workers might have a large impact on the bottom line of the company. You could probably throw real estate in there as well. Commercial or residential real estate companies in areas of high pollution likely do not have the same sort of pricing power than a similar building in a less pollutive region. Location isn't just for the views. So I wanted to end us off here with Simon discussing the connection between air quality and climate change, mainly because we often focus more on climate change than on air quality on this podcast. And we discuss carbon emissions in a warming world and net zero targets and all that. So I wanted Simon to tie everything together for us here in the end. And here's what he had to say. I mean, it's directly linked to each other. So greenhouse gases, as well as um, air pollutants, they are generally coming from the same sources. And when we tackle air pollution, we directly tackle climate change. I'd also, I'd also like to emphasize that the biggest concern of people in highly polluted areas, that's generally not climate change. It's the poor air they breathe every day. It's, uh, it's the much easier gateway to tackle climate change because the effect of air pollutants measures, they are immediately visible. So imagine local citizens, they will directly breathe better air when an old car is not driving anymore or when its facility is is shut down. So it really has a direct local effect. It is the reason why air pollution was tackled first by most environmental regulators and why it shouldn't be ignored even as our environmental problems continue to compound. And that's it for the week. I want to thank Simon and Yogita for talking to me about the news with the ESG twist. I want to thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to rate and review us or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That helps as well. Thanks again and talk to you next week. The MSCI ESG Research Podcast is provided by MSCI Inc. subsidiary, MSCI ESG Research, LLC, a registered investment advisor, and the Investment Advisors Act of 1940. And this recording and data mentioned herein has not been submitted to, nor received approval from the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or any other regulatory body. 
The analysis discussed should not be taken as an indication or guarantee of any future performance, analysis, forecast, or prediction. The information contained in this recording is not for reproduction in whole or in part without prior written permission from MSCI ESG Research. None of the discussion or analysis put forth in this recording constitutes an offer to buy or sell or promotional recommendation of any security, financial instrument, or product or trading strategy. Further, none of the information is intended to constitute investment advice or recommendation to make or refrain from making any kind of investment decision and may not be relied on as such. The information provided here is as is, and the user of the information assumes the entire risk of any use it may make or permit to be made of the information. Thank you.